It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I was right. Uh, no, I was right. I was right. Uh, we were right. We were right, weren't we? And you were right with us. And because you were right with us, we want to celebrate being right. We want to celebrate Philadelphia sports being good, but also we want to celebrate being right. In style at the Underground Arts Theater. Friday, December 22nd. There are a lot of guests already. You guys have Chris Ryan. Yes, of TheRinger.com. We're bringing on Larry Poff. He's of our course, baby. Right to Ricky Sanchez podcast, BGN Radio. We were right before Christmas live dual podcast show at the Underground Arts Theater. If you're not there, uh, you're square. You're a very, you're a fool. You're wrong. Actually, if it's cool to be square. If if you're yeah, okay, Huey. <laughs> if you're not there, let's put it this way: December twenty second, we were right before Christmas. If you're not there. You were wrong. That's right. Tickets on sale right now for $18, $20 day of. Don't wait for the day of. This will sell out. UndergroundArts.org. You're listening to BGN Radio. Here it is. It's fourth and 26. McNabb is back. He's looking. He is firing. And it is caught by Freddie Mitchell. Short of the first. I don't know if he get it. Is he, does he have a first down? He does. He does have a first down. He's across midfield, and he's into Packer territory at the 46. Welcome in. It is week 15, and we are getting ready for the Eagles versus what's left of the New York Giants. I am Vince Quinn, and joining me, as always, Mr. Brandon Lee Galton. What's up, BLG? I am feeling good, Vince. You know, in spite of Carson Wentz dying, basically going down for the season and being out for the year, and the fact that I have to watch Nick Foles, which I am not really excited about, I am still optimistic about this team. I wrote a piece on BleedingGreenNation.com today called "FU We're Winning Anyway." That's an homage <laughs> to an old Jimmy Kemsky piece when he used to write in the fan post at Bleeding Green Nation way back in the day. So, feeling good. Yeah, I mean, I got to say, in a weird way, I, I was desperately hoping that Wentz would just come back for the playoffs. I, I just wanted to build up the Jesus narrative of like, okay, Wentz, you know, he's our savior. He's selling God shirts. He misses three weeks, and then he rises again, and we go to the <laughs> we go to the Super Bowl. Uh, not meant to be, though. We are stuck with Nick Foles. And so, you know, there's a lot of panic after the Rams game, which is such a great win as a team, just a, you know, like such a gritty 
tough game with a high scoring. Uh, you know, like that was not an easy game for them to win. And all you can think after the fact is just like, oh crap! Now we got Nick Foles in here. And so, like for you, obviously you're confident in that. And I want to hear it from you why in a second. But f- for me, like the Nick Foles thing is, I think he's basically Jason Garrett. Um, Like, Jason Garrett is a guy that he coaches the team as good as the talent is on the field. So, like, Zeke isn't there, and they're just a completely average to below average team. And when he comes back, inevitably, then they're going to be interesting again. Like, Nick Foles, I think, is that same way in that, if like, when he was with the Rams, they were a bad team, and he sucked. When he was with the Eagles before, they were a good team, and he played pretty good football. So, like, for me, I'm in that mindset of... Things, just for the, the broad picture here, it's not completely lost with Nick Foles at quarterback. It's not. Um, it's it's very hard for me to admit because I'm not. I'm just not a big Nick Foles guy at all. It's my biggest mountain to climb here and being optimistic about this team. I think there's some things that just get detached from reality when talking about Nick Foles like 27-2 and two and he's 14-4 and four as a starter and and Pro Bowl MVP, which Frank Reich like <laughs> non-ironically brought up in this press conference, this makes me want to just hit myself in the face. Like, come on, like those things are not. It's just not real. Like, that's not the the reality. It's not the real perception of what Nick Foles is. He's not a player that's as good as those things would make you believe. He's not, and I think we saw that a lot in 2014 too, um, when. You know the the Eagles were six and two, so everyone's like, "Oh, the team is winning. Nick Foles is good." But really, I mean, they were scoring at an historical rate on special teams and defense. So taking that and what we saw there, and trying to bring it into now, where the Eagles are going moving forward, I mean, I you can't be asking Nick Foles to win games for this team because he's not, I don't think he's good enough to do that. They have to do things around him, as you kind of said there, Vince, where you really start to rely on this running game. You traded for Jay Ajayi for a reason. Use him. Put him out there and ride that guy as much as you can because he's he's great right now rushing the ball. I mean, he pretty much can't be stopped. Uh, he, he's averaging, I think, 6.9 yards per carry. A nice figure at that. And uh, the defense... Look, the defense hasn't been as awesome lately, but they stepped up big at the end of that Rams game and helped win the game for them. So it's going to have to be more about that moving forward. I know Nick Foles and I know Frank Reich have been saying that the offense isn't going to change with Carson out, but that just can't that can't be true. I mean, like this team has to shift their identity to more running and the defense and the special teams really have to step up. See, I've talked myself into the Nick Foles thing. Like when the first I, I first got the news, like I'm at the game and I'm totally busted up, and I mean, and I've had a couple of drinks, and I'm like, oh man, we're screwed. Season's over, all that stuff. But I, I've talked myself into Foles a little bit as well, and I, I think part of it is like, you ever play like Pokemon or Magic the Gathering, any sort of card game like that as a kid? Pokemon, yes. Okay, so. If you remember, they used to sell starter packs. Like, if you just, yeah. yeah. So, if you never played, you could just buy that and it was a full deck and you could play. And I kind of think that's what the Eagles are at this point. Like, you, if you're building a franchise, this is how I would like it built. Like, you've got a stable defense, you've got a really good offensive line, you're invested in a lot of your weapons, and you just need a quarterback that's capable of 
you know, basically just being the gasoline, like just being the thing that lets this machine run and not really getting in the way. And so, you know, obviously they're less high power without Wentz, but this is a situation that a lot of good quarterbacks could, or average quarterbacks could succeed in. Like, I don't see why if you just get really almost any quarterback, even like Josh McCown, you could talk me into Josh McCown winning a playoff game with the Philadelphia Eagles. So, like, I'm just, I'm not down on Foles in that way, but I I totally agree with you. Um, You got to run the ball a lot. Like, Jay Ajayi and having not just him, but Blunt too, like, and Clement, you could run the ball 40, 45 times a game if they really, if they desperately have to. Like, Foles is a dog or the coverage is great, just for the fuck of it, let's say they're playing the Jaguars in the Super Bowl. Like, you're running the ball, (laughs) you're running it 50 times in that game because there's no way in hell I'm expecting Foles to pass against Ramsey and Bouye, you know? like, And and that's okay because with the line and the running game as good as they are, like, if, if they have to go into that desperation mode, I think they can. And... The guy who really needs to make everything happen, as much as we talk about Foles, I think we got to talk about Doug Peterson. It's it's really yeah. about Peterson and how he does the job here, right? It's a great point, Vince, and I was talking a little bit about that in my uh, Monday episode of BGN Radio Daily where I said this is the moment now where we're going to see what Doug Peterson is really made of. I mean, we've seen him do a good job this year. I think he's coach of the year at this point. I think I brought it up last week that – you know, everyone's saying Sean McVay, but guess what? I mean, Doug Peterson beat Sean McVay. So uh, it doesn't necessarily just boil down to that, but that's a factor to me. And I think Doug Peterson is, you know, he's really aggressive and the play calling is creative and he's done some great things. At the same time, he's always had Carson Wentz in every single game that he's had as a head coach. So we're kind of get, we're kind of going to going to really get to see here what Doug Peterson can do without Carson and I think back to, not that John Fox is some brilliant offensive mastermind, but I think back to when John Fox, you know, when Tim Tebow had to come in, and I'm not saying Nick Foles is Tim Tebow. Nick Foles is obviously better. But, you know, he they really reshaped the offense there when Mike McCoy, I guess, was the offensive coordinator there when Tebow had to come in. And, and I hope to see something similar to the effect of where this team changes some things, and they do rely on the run a little bit more. That was one of the biggest complaints, I think, coming out of that Eagles win over the Rams, which sounds funny to have complaints, but I, I don't think they rushed Jay Ajayi enough. Or, I mean, they, they obviously did it enough to beat the Rams, but moving forward, they're going to need to do it even more. They were forcing the issue there with the Garrett Blunt at times. It just wasn't get getting going. They have to get the J-Train more involved on this offense and – It'll be really interesting to see. I think, you know, if this team wins down the stretch, which, I mean, could, they could very easily do. They're at the Giants' home game against the Raiders, who are not looking great. And then the final game against the Cowboys, which probably won't even matter, uh, depending on how that, all that goes, I think Doug Peterson's really going to be able to solidify his Coach of the Year case here. That's a good point. If he gets Foles in here... And they just, like, roll over the Giants. And and right now, like, I'm not going to give the exact spread because we'll do that later in the show, but the Eagles are favored in this one by a good bit. And if they come out and play the kind of game that this team's played, you know, for that big winning streak where they're just, like, destroying the Niners and destroying the Broncos and all that stuff, if if they can pull that off again uh, this week, then, yeah, absolutely. Like, that, that seriously helps the case for Doug Peterson as coach of the year because you have to adjust from a guy who... Has a has a really good arm. He's he's incredibly active in the pocket, 
and his vision is great. Like he's making throws to the opposite side of the field, which just really doesn't happen all the time. So uh, if he goes from that to Foles and just dominates, I mean, man, he's got to be coach of the year. But like in terms of what you got to see on the field, because like, okay, from my expectations of the Eagles offense against the Giants defense, as weak as the Giants defense is at this point, we can get into that later too. Um, like, here's some of the things that I'm expecting, BLG. Like, I want to see uh, screens more. I think that's going to be an important part of this offense going forward. you got to get Ajayi out there and, and get him the ball that way and give him opportunities to make plays there. Uh, I want to see maybe a wide receiver screen here or there. The, the wide receivers, we don't really talk about it ever, but part of the benefits to these guys is that they can block. Uh, Jeffrey's a bigger guy that can block. Torrey Smith had a couple of decent plays just last week where he was blocking down the field. So, uh, wide receiver screen game. Maybe things like stuff we saw last year where like Josh Huff would get the ball in motion uh, coming across the formation. Like maybe Aguilar's that guy this year. I, I don't know. Like those are the kinds of things that I want to see for Peterson to adapt this thing to Nick Foles. And uh, and what are you looking for? I definitely want to see the creativity that we've seen. So I have a lot of confidence in Doug with that. And be aggressive too. I mean, just because Nick Foles is in there, I mean, I don't want to see them pass 40 times a game, but that doesn't mean on the plays that they do pass, everything has to be so simple. I mean, I think uh, I think Benjamin Solek, who had a really good piece on Nick Foles for BleedingGreenNation.com this week, had pointed out that I think like one of the first plays, if not the first play, that Nick Foles came into the game, Doug Peterson sent everyone deep and asked Nick Foles to air it out right away. Like, I love that kind of aggression. I mean, I don't, again, I don't want them doing that the whole game, but to kind of mix that in there and to have that confidence... I mean that's that's good to see. I mean this team is going to need to be more aggressive in these some in situations to kind of really make up for the loss in talent and the loss of a difference maker in Carson Wentz. They're going to kind of have to create some of their own luck, if you will, to really uh, get an edge on some of these teams because the unfortunate reality, especially more so talking about the playoffs here, is you look at any playoff opponent for the most part and they're going to have the better quarterback than the Eagles. And that's the unfortunate situation the Eagles are in right now. And that doesn't mean the Eagles are doomed, but it's definitely a significant disadvantage. So uh, definitely going to be interested to see how Doug operates here with Nick Foles in there. And let's just hope for the worst. Uh, hope for the worst. Excuse <laughs> me, hope for the best, I All right, we're tanking for the pick now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, yeah. So, like... For Peterson, I, I think he can do all right. Now, before we get into a little bit more about this matchup and what the Eagles should be doing offensively versus the Giants, I do want to talk briefly about what Foles did in that really just the fourth quarter of that game against the Rams and Peterson there because uh, it is it is a little, you know, like you said, uh, the first play, you got Foles bombing it down the field. Like th- Those kinds of things are important in trying to understand where Doug is with Foles and uh, and what this team is going to look like going forward. So, one of the things that, like, one of the things I took away from this primarily was that I saw a lot of tipped passes, and Foles was just, you know, like you could just feel the lack of mobility. I guess you could say, like, the feel. You know how you talk about with wide with wide receivers, like, okay, Odell Beckham Jr. stretches the field, Tyree Kill stretches the field. Like, Wentz in his own way stretches the field because you have to defend left and right. And, like, losing that dynamic 
was something that was very noticeable, and I think you could see the Rams pick up on that too. They just, like, the pass rush, it was it really was like, uh, you know, putting raw meat in front of that caged dog kind of feel where they were just like, all right, let's go after Nick Foles. We're going to get this guy. We know he's in a confined space now, and we've got the opportunity to do it. So, like, uh, the disruption was one thing. Now, I don't want to take away too much of it, and, and I don't know how you felt about all of that or if you noticed that too, but, like, I'm I'm trying to not take – too much away from that BLG, just and I guess it's mainly because it's uh, it's Foles' first game and it's the middle of the game. So like, you know, it, I don't know. What what do you take away from Foles from last game? Yeah, I mean, I think it's always hard to come in cold off the bench like that and to kind of just be hot right away. I mean, it's not like it's never happened before, but I just don't. And it's not the ideal situation, you know. You for a quarterback like that, you're not going to have the highest expectations. You want them to be getting a full week of starters, reps, working with the wide receiver, especially when you know it's a backup coming in, throwing to guys who he doesn't really get to throw to a whole lot because in practice he's not getting the bulk of those starters, reps. And same thing in training camp. He's working with guys who might not even make the team or you know, a practice squad guys or some of these depth receivers like a Marcus Johnson. So it kind of takes time to build some of that chemistry. I think, you know, you give Nick Foles a full week of the starters reps and get them all prepared and you put a game plan specifically in place for him and you kind of have more confidence in that. But, yeah, I mean, just the things that Carson Wentz can do that Nick Foles can't were just very apparent when Nick Foles came into the game. I mean, Carson Wentz can just do things that many quarterbacks in the NFL can't. I mean, just his mobility – his his ability to make plays and and just he's I mean Carson Wentz is a huge reason why this team is eleven and two. There's no way around that. We always talk about how oh this team has overcome injuries, so why can't they overcome the Carson Wentz injury? Well, Carson Wentz is a big reason why the Eagles have been able to overcome losing Jason Peters and losing Jordan Hicks and losing Chris Mergos and losing Darren Sproles. So uh, it's definitely you know a huge drop off here, but. Now, we've seen Nick Foles have some success before. Again, if the Eagles can kind of manage what he's doing in there and they get the run game going and that opens up the play action to kind of make throws easier on Nick Foles. And an interesting point that you brought up there, Vince, with the screens, you know, Carson Wentz, for as good as he is, I feel like he's just not a good screen passer, which is like really weird because like, I don't I feel like that wouldn't be hard to be accurate on screens, but it always feels like he's not just he's not super accurate on screen passes for whatever reason. And, and maybe that's an area where Nick Foles might actually be a little better at this point in his career from what we've seen. So maybe that's a little boost there. Um, it's going to be tough. You know, I think Carson Wentz made this team so unpredictable just because of his ability to improvise. But again, this is where Doug Peterson's going to really earn his money. We got to see, and it's not just him. We have to see John Filippo really coach up Nick Foles and Frank Reich, whatever the heck he does, do more of that. And <laughs> JHI, you know, get this running game involved in the offensive line. And, you know, it's going to take a whole team effort. And that's the, that's the encouraging thing I think to me about this team is that, for as much skepticism as I have about Nick Foles, I believe in this team because I believe that they've played at a high level this year and they know that they have a lot to play for and they know that they're playing for Carson Wentz. And, you know, motivation only goes so far. But I think this team is not going, is not nearly ready to give up yet. I'd be very surprised if that was the case. Yeah, I, I don't think this team quits either. It's just that they go from being the front runner 
in the NFC to really a face in the crowd. Like, could they beat the Saints? I think it's possible. I don't think it's, you know, more likely than not. I would say it's something like, uh, you know, you're talking like 60-40, 55-45 Saints favor. That's kind of how I see it. But you got the benefits at this point of the Carson effect going forward. Like, you still have most likely... Uh, home field advantage, you still most likely are going to have a buy, and and we'll get into that stuff too. But uh, having those things with Nick Foles, just get, it's it's all these little extra boosts that he has going into this equation that they're like, I don't know, like the they're like a super four seed or a super wild card team in a way. And so yeah, like I'm not giving up on them because they're in a good situation and the team's good enough, but. Uh, it does change things, and like you were talking a lot about the the third down st- situations with Wentz, and just how like the impact that he has offensively, and that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to in this game when it comes to Peterson, because when you watch like going back to the Rams game and just just in general, I didn't realize this how much the Eagles are in like third and six, third and eight, and they're able to convert those plays, which what like is amazing. But with Nick Foles, you're not going to get that, and you can't expect him to convert those kinds of plays regularly. So it is going to change play in and play out how you coach. Like in the Rams game, you saw a lot of Peterson, okay, let's pass it on first down, and then if that doesn't work, we're going to run it on second down. It's going to be third and seven, and we're going to ask Carson to convert it. Like you can't coach that way with Nick Foles as your quarterback. You're going to have to run on first down more likely than not, and and try to shorten these situations so he only has to throw a quick pop pass to get the first down. Like you, I, I, I don't know. So I'm I'm very interested to see what kinds of changes Peterson makes this week. And I guess the other thing is too, just to not get too far ahead of ourselves, that they can have a bad week this week, right? Like you don't need the Eagles to come out and have a perfect game because they do have a lot to figure out. Like it's just it's it's so much change over one week. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and getting into the playoff scenarios a little bit now here, the Eagles need one more win, just one, to get a first round bye. So just win this game any way you can. You have a first round bye in the playoffs. That's great. And then from there, they only need to either win one more game or the Vikings need to lose one more game. The Vikings have a home game against the Bengals this weekend. The Vikings are not losing that game. I mean, that would be shocking. That, that would be very concerning for yeah. them. The Bengals got killed by the Bears last week. That just not a good team. Um, and the Vikings will probably bounce back after losing to the Panthers. So you're looking at Week 16, I think, as a realistic situation where the Eagles might be able to clinch before they even play because – the Vikings and the Packers, who, guess who's back? Aaron Rodgers oh, man. is probably going to be playing, which is terrifying in some ways, but also if he can beat the Vikings, that takes some of the pressure off of the Eagles, not that they necessarily need it. So it's possible that the Eagles win this week. Even if they win ugly, that's fine. Uh, you, you go into next week, and if the Vikings lose, then you, you clinch the number one seed, and then that game in Christmas against the Raiders doesn't even really matter. Uh, I guess you'd kind of just treat it like a tune-up game. One of the two tune-up games you have left in the season before the the playoffs start at that point. So um, it's kind of interesting to it's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out here. Because I mean, again, if the Eagles clinch before they even play in Week 16, like what do you do? Do you rest the starters? I mean, do you play Nick Foles as much as you can to get him, you know, in the rhythm, more experienced? But you're also risking injury. 
Like it's it's kind of going to be interesting to see what this Eagles team is able to do here in these last couple of weeks and with regard to the playoff scenarios and everything because you kind of said it there, Vince, they're like a super wild card team in the sense of maybe the quality of where they are at now with the quarterback, but in terms of where they're standing, they're, the standing, they're in great position. Yeah, and, and so, you know, I really enjoy the fact that Peterson has to deal with these things or will likely deal with the things this year because – the, the fact of the matter is, as much as I want to be confident in Foles and, like, theoretically there's some possibility they could get themselves into a Super Bowl. That, I mean, they are going to be in the playoffs. They are going to be a one seat. It's not likely. And so, like, with the, taking that kind of step backwards, it's like, okay, I just want to see Peterson and, and get the true revelation of who he is. Because as you mentioned earlier in the show, like, he's had every single game with Carson Wentz so far. And and we've had the same problem with Brady and Belichick. It's always that, okay, well, it's Brady and Belichick, and they're together, and they're great. So who makes who and all that kind of stuff? Well, to get Peterson in these situations where, okay, now you got to coach Nick Foles for a little bit. Now you're going to have to deal with being a one seed and going into the bye. Like, how how do you play Dallas in Week 17? How do you play the Raiders on a Christmas night, like, blowout kind of game that it was supposed to be? Like, the, those kinds of, of scenarios are great for a coach like this in a year where he can he can tinker and be a little more the same way he's aggressive on the field. He can be aggressive and experimental and maybe play foals for a half and see how it works if he wants or go the other direction and just say, I'm not going to play anybody at all week 17 and maybe even week 16, like more than a half. And if it doesn't work, then you know what? He could say, well, it was an experience and we gave it a shot and there's not much to lose here. So... I, I love the Petersons in these situations, and and for Sunday, it's like, I feel like this is a game, it's a great starting point to have for Foles, because, like, the Giants are bad. Um, Awful. Th- yeah, and, and they're injured to, to hell. Oh, my God. Oh so, my gosh. they've got five wide receivers on injured reserve right now. <laughs> five of them. And, and it's like their top five, basically, almost. Yeah, and, and one of them was a guy that they just added. I think his name was Daryl Poe. And he had a catch last week against Dallas, and it's like, oh, his first catch in the NFL, I think it was, and then he's on IR the next week. Like, that's that's how the things are for the Giants. Um, and just, like, Janoris Jenkins is on IR now since the last time the Eagles played the Giants. He's their best corner. Weston Richburg, a center for them, he's on IR. And then just the guys that are questionable this week, like, running through the list here, B.J. Goodson, their middle linebacker, that's not good for them. Justin Pugh, who they moved out to tackle. He's their only good lineman that's left. That's not good for them. Uh, Landon Collins, great player at safety. Dynamic guy. He's questionable. Eli Apple, questionable. Like Those are big names at, at big positions. And with all the injuries they already have, and it's just like... There, and you consider there's no incentive to play. Like, if you are Spagnuolo now, right? Because Spagnuolo is coaching the Giants. Um, if you're Spagnuolo, like, is there really a rush to get these guys back? Because, like, you know, the Giants are in future mode, and so I I just don't see any reason to rush. Yeah, and it's, it's funny because, like, even if you're trying to play that whole, oh, the Giants are playing for a pride angle – that was last week. I mean, that was that was supposed to be the thing with Eli Manning coming back and everyone cheered when he came back on the field. And the Giants hung in with the Cowboys for a little bit. And then they still lost by 20 points after giving up 20 points in the fourth quarter. So, 
Um, I just this Giants team is nothing left. Did you did you see that Des Bryant touchdown, Vince, by chance? Yeah, the one where he just he ran through an arm tackle and just like nothing yeah, but daylight. That yeah. cornerback, like his name is Brandon Dixon. That guy, I like I have no idea who that was, first of all. Now I'm looking him up on Wikipedia. He was a 2014 sixth round pick who was like bounced around one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different teams since then. <laughs> since twenty fourteen. Yeah, he was signed oh. to the Giants practice squad earlier this season, uh, and they promoted him to the roster in late November. And now he's starting. It's just like they have nothing left, man. Like if if this Eagles team can't get going against the Giants, I mean that would be concerning. I'm not saying they need to win by 50, but like if, if they don't win by like 10, like if this is like a, a close game down to the wire, then I'm not. You know, I, I don't think people are going to be feeling great because the Giants they're just terrible at this point. They don't have anything left. It's not just about the lack of fight. It, again, like you said, it's just there's no one there. there. There's so many injuries. They're terrible. I don't think the coaching is particularly great, you know, at this point either. I mean, and even if it was, I mean, it just doesn't matter. They're just they're totally depleted. They're done. I just I can't see a situation where the Eagles lose this game reasonably. Yeah, there there really isn't any reason that they should lose this game because like offensively, you're looking at it and there's one, they're down to just Pugh, and he's questionable, so like their line is trash, and even though they've played a little better, they're, they're still trash, and then like when it comes to Eli, he's not a dynamic quarterback, he's just capable, and so he's not going to burn you for any big plays, this isn't a Russell Wilson versus the world scenario, uh, Wayne Gallman and, and Orleans Darkwa are just guys, like they're they're fine players, but they're not dynamic, and so you're worrying about Evan Ingram, who you can just target because he is their best receiver, and there's no question about it. And then, like, if Sterling Shepard and, was it Roger Lewis? Like, if those guys are going to be the people to beat you to a pulp and cost you to lose the game, they're like, you're not a good team. So you can't be worried about anything that, that the Giants do offensively. There's no question. Like, they're just they're just total dogs. And on the defensive side of the ball, like, all their teeth are taken out. And so it's, yeah, this is one of those those situations, BLG, where it's like, if you're Doug Peterson, this is sort of the dream scenario because at least you're on the road, so it's it's not too cushy of an environment. And as bad as Dallas, or uh, as bad as the Giants are, that gives you the opportunity to experiment things with Nick Foles. Like, because when it comes to Wentz, like, or and really any quarterback and any coach, it's always like, okay, well, I like running these routes or these plays in this situation. And for Foles, he's going to have his, his, his own list of demands. I like these plays and whatever. So you can experiment with those things. You can call wacky stuff and just see how it works out just because you don't have too much pressure in terms of like, oh, no, you can't afford to have a mistake against the New York Giants and so that gives you the ability to get comfortable with this team and what it's going to be going forward against what is ultimately just a really really bad division opponent yeah I don't need to see I don't think I need to see the offense just completely obliterate the Giants here I mean that'd be great if they do as long as they have a, a you know like a good day and not a bad day that's fine with me the defense has to be held to a higher standard than this one. The defense going up against this Giants offense, as you just said, which is totally depleted, they need to be a lot better because this Eagles defense, 
hasn't they've had some slip ups in the past couple of weeks. I mean, we, the Rams are a good offense, yes, but also I think back to the play that almost lost them the game, or that drive that lost them the game, where the Rams are driving and it's third down, and Jared Goff completes a pass to Cooper Cup, and they can't freaking tackle him. He makes like what, like a sixty-yard catch and run, just like totally inexcusably. There was no reason the Eagles should have allowed that. I mean, you allow the catch, that's one thing, but tackle him after that, like ridiculous. So can't see that kind of sloppiness from the Eagles in this one, and. It'll be an interesting test for the Eagles because if the Giants go back to what they did earlier in the season with that quick passing game, I mean, that gave the Eagles trouble. At the, I mean, at the same time, it kind of didn't allow the Giants to do all that great in the first three quarters there. They weren't really scoring at all. They came back late when the Eagles' defense kind of broke down there. And Odell Beckham had some great plays, and obviously OBJ isn't going to be in this game. So you feel good about that. But, you know, I think we need to see this Eagles' defense really come out and make a statement and say that, look— Carson Wentz is down, and now we're taking over. We're not going to let anyone do anything to us. You know, they need to come out, and I want to see a big, big, strong performance from the defense in this one. Like, if the offense can only just get by, I mean, that's not the most encouraging thing, but I can live with that. I need to see the defense have a really good performance in this one to feel good moving forward. If they don't, that's going to be a big concern. Oh, yeah, no doubt. The defense, the pressure on the defense to be great. The rest of the way is undoubted. Like they are, they are more important to me than the offense at this point because you know that the Eagles they go from being a team that will score thirty-one to a team that you hope they score seventeen to twenty-one, and that's enough for them to win games each week. So the defense, you got to lock everything down. And when it comes to the Giants, yeah, like this is one of those weeks where they they totally. I, I'm with you hundred percent. They should totally shut everything down this week because when it comes to the running game. Like they're going to run a lot, and they're going to do it with two different guys in, in Orleans Darkwood and Wayne Gallman, but they're not Todd Gurley, and their blocking isn't as good as the Rams' blocking was. Like, you go back and watch that Rams game, and you would see that, I mean, just the, like, there were three different alleys that Todd Gurley could run on on a given play, and each of them would have gotten him 40 yards. Like, he was, he was great and electric, but the line and just the ability that they had to blow out the linebackers and all that stuff, it was. It was really apparent last week, and this week that sh- that better not be the case for them, frankly. If they have that kind of problem, it's a huge issue going forward. Um, but otherwise, like, yeah, the, the Giants are, they are your stereotypical really bad offense at this point. Like, they hold the ball for two seconds on a pass play. If it takes them longer than two seconds to get rid of the ball, it's either going to be an incompletion or Eli's going to throw it away. And then... Like, statistically, uh, 31st in points. So, naturally, they're 6th in passing attempts, and they're trying to throw all the ball all the time, but they're not getting many yards, and they're 22nd in the league in yards because they don't have any big play players, and they can't throw the ball down the field regularly, even if they wanted to, because they don't have time. So, like, uh, the, like, it's so predictable what the Giants are going to do, and so... Yeah, anything more than, I mean, I'm, I'm going to run through and see recently what they've been putting up. Yeah, the highest they've put up since week 10 uh, after they beat the, they lost to the Niners uh, when they lost 21 to uh, 31. So, yeah, you're seeing like 12 points against uh, Kansas City, 10 against the Skins, 17 against Oakland, 10 against Dallas. Like, if they put up more than 10 points against the Eagles, I really think it's a disappointment this week. I agree with that, Vince. Yeah, you just can't, like, I don't know. They, they just don't have anything. So 
going back to the Eagles on the offensive side of the ball here and and what they're going to be doing. So obviously from Foles, you want to see him not passing all that much. You want to see a lot of the running game. Is there any matchup that sticks out to you or any player that you say, like, this guy needs to have a good game for, for the Eagles to, you know, look right here? I think it has to come down to the defensive line. I mean, this defensive line is the strength of this team, and I was just talking about, you know, how I want the defense to really take over down the stretch here. It has to start with the line. I mean, Chris Long, amazing strip sack. Uh, Jared Goff to end that game. That's that's great stuff by him. want to see more out of uh, just all of those guys, really. I mean, some of the run struggles lately have been in part to them. I don't think they – I mean, Vinny Curry, oh, my gosh. I mean, we've been praising Vinny Curry this season for how he's been improved as a – a run defender, but some of these times, like he's just totally not respecting the outside run, and there's just like a huge running lane. I mean, we saw that with Gurley against the Rams. It's just not, it's not up to par. It's not as good as it should be. I also just want to see more Derek Barnett, honestly. I mean, I feel like I've been saying that for a while now, but I was looking at the snap counts in the last week's game, and I think Vinnie Curry was about 60 something against the Rams and, and Derek Barnett was only in the 30s. I want to see that closer to 50-50 at least. I mean, get Derek Barnett in there. He can make things happen. One player who I'd love to see out there on the field, but who will not be this week, of, of course, because he just returned to practice for the first time, is Sidney Jones. And I think that's interesting. And, and Vince and I will be talking about that more in the fourth quarter, which is the bonus episode after this podcast that you, you can find at patreon.com slash Radio. But I think that's kind of an interesting thing. But sticking with the cornerbacks in there who actually are playing, again, the secondary hasn't been great the past couple weeks. We saw those missed tackles against the Rams. We saw the cornerbacks just not playing great at times. And I, I want to see more from Ronald Darby. I'd love to see Ronald Darby have a pick six in this game. Like, that should happen. Or at least someone should have a pick six in this game. Eli Manning is going to throw at least one pick, or he really should. So, I mean, I want to see this defense dominate. I want to see them score. I mean, how awesome would it be? Even though Wentz is doubt for the season, if this defense just shows up on Sunday and shuts the Giants out and the Eagles go on to win big, or even if they won like 21-0, they didn't even have a huge offensive day, but like a good offensive day, I mean, that would just be awesome. The opportunity's there. I mean, they, they if they show, because here's the thing too, now it gets to the Ewing theory, that idea that like now your best player's out, everyone else is just going to go into like supercharge <laughs> mode to make up for it. And so I love that as a basketball theory. It's great. And so like there's a possibility here that, yeah, what you get is the Ewing theory this week and the team just goes nuts and they beat the crap out of the Giants and maybe it carries over to the uh, the game against the Raiders. And then like, I mean, week 17 is like a weird fluky thing because because um, Zeke will be back and Dallas could be fighting for a playoff spot still, as weird as that sounds. So I, I don't know. But, um, yeah, like they could come out super jacked up this week, ready to make some plays, trying to back fulls, trying to get people on the radio, guys like myself, to calm down about what's going on here and say that, hey, we're still a Super Bowl contending team. Uh, they've got every opportunity to do that, and, and yeah, they should. Like, I Again, more than 10 points, I think, is uh, is a bad day for them. And a guy that needs to prove it for me this week, like you talked about Ronald Darby, I would love to see Rodney McLeod with a good week because the, the last couple of weeks... It's been a while. Yeah, I mean, he, he's not the guy that I've really, you know, that I typically picture when I think of Rodney McLeod. And I don't know if he's hiding something, but, like, he's getting burning coverage a lot. He's not as sharp tackling as he typically is. And so 
I wonder about him, and I'd really like to see him have a big game this week. And then uh, on the offensive side of the ball, this is like a, a little selfish thing, but, man, I want to see, because I know Ertz is back, I want to see that Brent Selleck, like, once a game, bull over three guys and get 12 yards. Like, I'm dying for that this week. That is like First play of the game. Get everyone juiced up. <laughs> yeah, like, everything in my body just, like, hurts over the idea of Brent Selleck not getting the ball this week. I just, I want to see it so bad. And it's one of those things that, like, Foles really needs that, you know? When you've got all of these weapons, so it's like, okay, well, you got to worry about Ertz and Jeffrey and Aguilar. But now, okay, well, here's... You're Selleck, and he's coming out of the backfield for some reason, and he's getting 12 yards. It's like, oh, crap, we can't stop anything. So they need that kind of stuff. And for Peterson, it's more of a coaching thing just to be like, I remember that this still works, and I would like to to dust it off and continue to use it from time to time. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would love to see Selleck get involved with a catch or two in this game, and I, I think that's important. So um, with the game here, like – Obviously, we're talking so much about the Eagles and how their franchise has kind of changed. Like, I mean, really, the, this season has been the story of a changing franchise because you go from being another team just kind of you're floating in the middle with everybody else to being like, a, holy crap, this, this is a really good franchise with a great coach, and they could be for a very long time. And so it, it's been a fun ride in that way. And for the Giants, like, they go the complete opposite end of the spectrum. They're 11-5, and five, they're in the playoffs, uh, they add Brandon Marshall, everything feels great, like they're still, they're old, but they're still good enough to be a contender, and as everything is stripped away and died this year for the Giants, it's just been, it's one, it's really ugly football to watch, but for me, like, watching them and what they're going to be in this game, as sad as it's going to be, I, I can't help but feel anything but like confident in the Giants going forward because I'm seeing a team that they've got the chance at uh, you know one I mean there's there's good GM candidates out there so if they can get the good guy and they had a head start on the search that everyone is that isn't the Cleveland Browns uh, they can go and and get someone good and there's going to be there's always good coaches available you just got to pick the right one um, you're going to have a top pick in the draft. Like the Giants is, it, it looks miserable this week, but the outlook for them is really, I, I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be PLG. Unless they hire, did you see who their top candidate is for the GM job? I haven't seen their top candidate recently. No, who is it? Well, you know, reportedly, we don't know for sure, yeah. but reports say that it's uh, Dave Gettleman from the Panthers. And honestly, okay. I, I, yeah, that's not to me. Like, I'm not scared of that, really. I mean, uh, he's Gettleman did some good things with the Panthers there, but he also gave like uh, the wrong Khalil brother like a ton of money to play offensive tackle, and he's done some really bad things. So um, maybe the Giants will screw it up. I don't know. I hope what they don't do, which we were talking about before the show, is that do something like. Hire John DiFilippo as their head coach, and then, hey, Joe Douglas is GM. I mean, something like that would be freaking awful for the Eagles, or at least terrifying at the very least. And I don't think the Eagles would allow – well, I mean, it's not about – they can't block Joe Douglas, so it's not about not allowing. But I don't think Joe Douglas would be hired away right away. The Eagles can pay him a lot of money to stay if they have to, and I think they would given the team's success now. I don't think they only brought him in just to be here for like a year or two, which it's it'll be two years, I think, this off season. So we'll see how that goes. But that's kind of the scary thing about Carson Wentz going down here is that this season felt special, and it was a special window for this team because 
you don't know if you're going to be able to have the same success next year. I mean, beyond the fact that Carson Wentz's recovery, according to Dr. James Andrews, could take nine to 12 months, which would be which it would roll into the 2018 season. I mean, you don't know who's going to be back next year. You could lose John Filippo. His contract's up, according to Adam Kaplan. Um, Jim Schwartz could be gone. Frank Reich could be gone. There, there could, Dave Phipp, I don't think, will be gone, but he might get some interviews. So you don't know who's going to be back. And then some of the players, too. I mean, what do they do at left tackle? Is Jason, Jason Peters going to be here or not? Darren Sproles wants to play, but his contract's up. So, I mean, there's there's just a lot of moving parts here. And, you know, you look if you want to use the Dallas Cowboys as an example, and I'm not saying the Eagles are necessarily destined as the same uh, the same path there, especially since I think the Eagles have a much better quarterback. But, uh, you know, you look at the Cowboys, they're 13-3, and three, and they had a lot of things going for them. And this offseason was tough for them because they didn't have a lot of cap space and they couldn't keep a lot of the guys, not necessarily star players. I mean, they still have those guys. They have the main core intact, but they lost – some, they're pretty much their whole starting secondary. They lost lost some some depth on that team. Uh, some they lost Ronald Leary, so they lost some offensive line pieces, and that's all contributed to them not being the same team this year. And the Eagles are going to possibly go through a lot of changes this offseason. So when you're talking about the Giants uh, and then the fact that they could hire some of those Eagles guys, I mean that's terrifying. Yeah, it is. Like ha- the idea of Douglas and D. Filippo. Going as a package deal to the Giants is it's it's an Eagles fan's worst nightmare because like as much as we always credit Roseman for everything that gets done, Douglas is very much a like Tim Jernigan is such a Douglas move it's ridiculous, and so those kinds of things to lose those additions and insights that Douglas provides and have them go across town basically I mean it's just a two hour ride to get up to New York and. He's got DiFilippo there, so you're losing front office and, and scouting ability and, and just general talent. Like He's obviously got a gift for it. And then in DiFilippo, you're getting a guy that's worked with your young quarterback and helped build him into the guy that he is right now. And as the offense sort of gets unchained and it becomes more of his responsibility, you could lose that coach, and he's coaching up the next franchise quarterback as a head coach in in New York. Like, it's just, yeah, it's such a bad situation to be in. It's it's really scary, and uh, it could be possible. Yeah, I guess, I, I don't know what the likelihood is of it, but, man, the fact that it is possible is a weird thing. And the other thing is, too, and I, I think you wrote this, BLG, was the idea that, if Jim Schwartz were to go somewhere because he gets a head coaching job again and he leaves his defensive coordinator, we could see Steve Spagnuolo come in as a guy that replaces him here. And and what do you think of that? Well, it's funny because back in 2016 when the Eagles were hiring, that that's what it was reported to be. The Eagles wanted Spags. And I, I if I'm not mistaken, Jim Schwartz is their second choice there. Maybe I have that. Wrong. I think they wanted Spags, though, and, and that would make sense, too, with Doug Peterson being there. I mean, he obviously knew who Spags was and had some kind of familiarity there, and the Giants had a really good defense last year, so, you know, and Spags has overseen some good defenses, excuse me, in his tenure, so I get it, but, you know, I don't know. Is that is that really the most inspiring thing? He's also overseen some bad defenses here, and, and I don't think Schwartz gets a, a head coach job this offseason. I don't. Um, he might get some interviews. 
I still don't think teams are like fully ready to go back in on him. I still think they need to see more out of him before that happens. Defense, Eagles defense has been good. Make no mistakes about it. But they're not like Seattle of prime Seattle era yet. I don't think they're you know they're not at that level. So I think teams are going to want to see more of that. But that's kind of the interesting thing that will happen this offseason if the Eagles do lose some of these guys like Flip or. You know, imagine if they they lose flip and then they need a quarterback coach. And hey, guess who used to be a quarterback coach? Ben McAdoo. <laughs> I mean, geez, what a, I don't think that would happen. But I just, no, you know, I would I would riot if that happened. <laughs> but that's I mean that's the thing. Like that's what's going to happen this offseason. They're gonna you're gonna lose some assistance and you're going to probably bring some some not necessarily a Ben McAdoo, but maybe a guy who used to be uh, a higher position and kind of didn't work out there and bring them back. Uh, to the to the to make Sierra, and that's what they did with Jim Schwartz. He was a he was not a good head coach, and spending a year out of the league, and now he's back as the defensive coordinator. So, a lot of change that will undergo through this off season, which just highlights how important it is that the Eagles win this year because they have this opportunity now. They're eleven and two. They're in such good position to get at least a first round bye, and likely a the number one overall seed. So this team has to make the most of it, and they can't afford to drop games to a bad team like the Giants. All right, well, well, just for the hell of it, say they do lose. What does that mean to you? Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> not very good. I mean, it depends on what fashion they lose, I guess. But I, I, I don't know how. It would be very hard. I'll, I'll put it that way. It would be very hard to have the optimism that I have right now if they lose because yeah it's just one game but the Giants are awful there's no reason they should lose I know it's on the road but if you look back at the Eagles historically playing the Giants and in that stadium I mean they do fine there they win all the time there and there's going to be a ton of Eagles fans at that game too which kind of an underrated thing this week I mean you guys were out there you were out there specifically Vince in LA and that was awesome to have all the fans out there I mean there should be a lot of Eagles fans at this game too especially because or at least they'll be a lot more noticeable because I'm sure they're not going to be as many Giants fans there as there would be if this game actually really mattered at this point so going to need another big week from the Eagles road crowd yeah and uh man I I gotta tell you just just in the bizarre universe where they lose which I I really can't imagine um I think the world implodes. I really like. I I don't think there's Probably. any. There's no survivors left on the entire planet if the Eagles lose this game, because it's just like they're, they're so. Even with Foles in there, they're so built to win. But the questions that would come about from losing to a team that's this bad, and I mean for the Giants, they are really incredibly bad. Uh, their wins this year, they beat the Broncos, who. That was a surprise. That was a massive surprise when they won that game, but ultimately that was kind of a telling sign for Denver and who they were, and they beat the Chiefs who were on a massive downslide, and and those are the only two wins of the year. And so to be the third loss at a situation where you kind of expect that Ewing theory mentality of these guys all stepping up and playing a big game and supporting the backup quarterback and Doug being a coach of the year, like it, it really throws everything into doubt, and It'd be curious to see the chaos and, you know, like depending on how they lose, all the all the little intricacies of it. But uh, losing this game, like at least for the psyche of the fan base, is just like such a massive thing. 
and I th- I don't think they can afford to do it as much as like technically speaking, hey, you could still beat Oakland, you could still beat Dallas. Like the the impact, I think the ripple effect of losing in this one for me, BLG, I think it's I think it's very real. So they're not going to do it. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yeah, they're not, not- I'm not allowing the possibility to exist. I'm wiping <laughs> it out. They're going to win. All right. Well, they're going to win, and we'll tell you how much by in just a moment as we go to the picks. Hit me! It's time to ring the bell and place some bets. Hey, I don't want your money punching my money. Here come our NFL picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. And the picks, as always, are brought to you by the Sportsbook at Delaware Park. It's where you can wager and watch all of the pro football games on Sunday. Go to DelawarePark.com for more details. Delaware Park is a lottery agent for the Delaware Lottery. Must be 21 to play. And so, BLG, our first game, let's travel to Kansas City, where in a fun AFC West matchup, you've got the Chargers, who are minus one and a half points on the road in Kansas City. What do you think? I think the Chargers are without a doubt better than the Chiefs. I think the Chargers are playing really well recently. Um, I like that I like that team. I think they're the best team in the AFC West and they should win the AFC West. But there's just part of me that can't help but feel like the Chargers are just going to choke because they always kind of choke. It just happens. So, man, um I'm trying to look up the stat here. The Chargers are in the last four games. They've outscored their opponents by 131 to 53. So they're not—they're not just beating their opponents. They're like pretty much beating the crap out of them. Uh, I feel good about the Chargers, and I think they should win the division, and I think they should win this game. I have this feeling they're going to choke, but I'll take them anyway. Yeah, yeah, I've got the feeling they'll choke, and I'm going with Kansas City in this one because Andy Reid's a squirrely guy. And, and as bad as things are for them right now, and, and all the all the hotness is with the Chargers. Yeah, I just Andy always gets into the playoffs some way somehow. The Chargers always seem to fall out of the playoffs some way somehow. So I'm going with history, and I'm going with my man Big Red. Uh, next up, we've got and and I love this. This is just a, a theme for the picks here, and and one of the reasons why the NFL is so great right now is you're getting a lot of division matchups and just really good matchups here at the end of the season. So. Uh, you've got the Rams at Seattle, and uh, this is a fun game. Seattle giving two points to the Rams at home. What do you think? I think we saw the Eagles go into Seattle and lose, and I know I know the Seahawks lost to the Jaguars in Jacksonville, but the Seahawks in Seattle, I do not bet against that team there. They're 43-8 and eight there, I believe it is, in their last 51 I don't want to bet against the Seahawks. I know the Rams are good, but I think I'm betting with Seattle. Yeah, I I think the Rams should win this game, but they're not going to. Uh, It's just one of those things. Yeah, Seattle, for whatever reason, they're just so amazing at home. And I, they, it just everything on paper says Rams, but my gut says Seattle, and I'm, I'm with you. I'm sticking with the, the Seahawks there, and that's, that's a huge game. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Speaking of other uh, huge games here. The New England Patriots going to Pittsburgh, and they're giving three points to Steeler, to the Steelers on the road. What are your thoughts there? So the the Patriots are underdogs in that game. No, oh no, the Patriots are uh, the Patriots are giving three points to the Steelers. Okay. Yeah, and they're and the um, Patriots are on the road in Pittsburgh. 
Yeah, I'm taking the Patriots. I know this, the Steelers. The Steelers have. I mean, they beat the Ravens. They're they're 11 and two, just like the Eagles. But they haven't been playing like awesome football recently, and they lost Shazier. Uh, you look at their schedule. Like they barely beat the Colts. They needed to come from behind, win to to get that done, and they had a close game against the Packers with Brent Hundley there. And uh, they beat the Bengals again, who looked terrible against the Bears. Like they only beat them by three points. Like I just don't, I don't have a lot of faith in the Steelers right now. I mean, they play tough at home. I get it, but and I know the Patriots lost and it's a short week, but Patriots bounce back and they're getting Gronk back. They didn't have Gronk on Monday Night Football. I think the Patriots bounce back. I am taking them. Yeah, I'm taking the Patriots as well, and I blame the Miami Dolphins because winning that game the way they did where New England didn't convert a single third down the entire game. Crazy. It's It was unbelievable to watch. I mean, it was it was an absolutely stunning game in that way. And Miami, like, they played okay, but they weren't great. So uh, to see the frustration in New England and have that boil over into such a massive game that deals with top playoff seeding in the AFC, I think they're so ready to win this game. And, yeah, they, they could beat the crap out of Pittsburgh in this one. I could see this being a real rage Statement game, Belichick and Brady are all about that stuff, and it could get ugly. So, uh, with that being said, we're going to the main course here, BLG. The Philadelphia Eagles traveling to the New York Giants. The Eagles right now are favored by seven and a half points. What do you think? I don't think you could give me a line that you know within reason here that I wouldn't take the Eagles. Like. Why Why would anyone take the Giants? Like, even if there's just no reason behind it. There's no like, well, the Giants could play tough. No, they're bad. They're depleted. The Eagles, for all the weaknesses that are, that could be magnified potentially by losing Carson Wentz, they're still just better than the Giants. It's it just they are. And Giants are terrible. I don't see how the Giants really even keep this game close. And they're they're certainly not going to win. So if you're taking the points, you're you're just really hoping somehow they can maybe get a backdoor cover or just somehow keep this to a, a close, ugly game. But I just don't see it. I'm taking the Eagles. It's pretty much a no-brainer. Yeah, if someone's taking the Giants, I don't know what they're smoking, but uh, feel free to tweet me with where I can pick it up. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's the Eagles with the points. There's no question about it. This is a game that I, I don't care if Nick Foles is playing. They should get the job done. So... Uh, with that, we'd like to thank you for joining us for the preview show and would also like to mention that we have a big event coming up uh, in about a week from now, BLG. We were right before Christmas, December 22nd. It's kind of taken a different tone with the Sixers having some losses, though they did beat the Timberwolves. And again, the Eagles losing Carson Wentz, which is a big bummer. But hey, not the time to give up hope. It's going to be a big, fun holiday party. Everyone can come to. And if you are sad, come to the party and you'll feel better. So it'll be a great time. Ticket information at undergroundarts.org or you can go to the pinned tweet on Twitter, BGN underscore radio. Also, Vince, we have an event tomorrow night. If you're listening, well, as we're recording here on Wednesday, we have an event on December 14th at Mark's Jewelers in Montgomeryville. It's it's man's night or men's night. Uh, you know, you can come out, get some jewelry for a special someone. You can check out our live podcast, which is going to be streaming, I believe, on Facebook Live, Bleeding Green Nation Facebook page. So you can check that out if you're not able to come in person. Make sure you, you check us out as we 
we go through that. It'll be a really good time. If you're in the Bucks County area, come out and see us. We'd love to see us. So a lot of cool stuff coming up here for BGN Radio in person. Come check it out. Come have fun with us. Come celebrate the holidays. Come make sure that we're not miserable. Come cheer us up, or if you're feeling down, we'll cheer you up. There you go. So that's uh, Brandon Lee Gouton. You can find him on Twitter at Brandon Galton. I'm Vince Quinn. You can find me at It's Vince Quinn. And coming up on the fourth quarter, which is our uh, our little extra bit of podcasting for you, which you can find on Patreon.com, we're going to talk a little bit about Sidney Jones. And for me, BLG, uh, i got to get a little bit into this Donovan McNabb stuff. I mean, that is just, that's a hell of a story right there. So well, let's let's do it. Yeah, so we will be doing that, and uh, we hope you join you for. We hope you join us for the fourth quarter. We appreciate you for joining us for the preview show. Let's go, birds! We'll talk to you next week. Stretch your hand, and I'ma chop it off. I dare you ask for a favor from your boss's boss. Shrimp scampi, angel head noodles, white wine sauce, Rwanda and Ross. Reload the Nina Ross. Settle metal when I'm focused on the green dinero. Hocus pocus, Gucci locus, cake with bacon soda. Cake for soldiers moving weight from Maine to Nova Scotia. Bang revolvers, problem solvers, that and pain the mothers. Lost a child, clips from play when they hear the loud. Nightmares, walking dead cause they sleep again. You either sheep or shit, be scared and cut the pieces. I lust for custom coops with the honey mustard features. Butterfly doors, a whore that makes wine or soba. Her beauty stunning, plus she funny, that's the proper So BLG, I'm going to put you on the spot here, okay? Um, right. What is, do you have like a favorite uh, Christmas moment, whether it's like a gift or an event? Like, what sticks out to you? Oh, that's a really good question. Um... I think it's always just, I mean, it's going to sound cheesy, but I just kind of think it's cool how people are just nicer around that time of year. I think they genuinely are, and I think that's something that we might take for granted, too, because we live in the northeast of the United States, and people just generally aren't as nice here. Like, if you go to the south, they're a lot nicer <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. It's, it's it's like here, if you see someone and you're walking down the street, you know, you don't say anything to them. You just walk right by them. Down in the south... I mean, you, know, you ask them how they're doing, you wave hello, you know, you talk to them maybe a little bit. It's just, it's a whole different thing. So it might be a little cheesy. I think I just like, though, how it just, it feels special. Uh, it always goes by quick, but it feels like a special time of year. Mm-hmm. For me, my my favorite Christmas thing, because like, I'm a, I'm, I'm the guy that hates Christmas music. Like, it's always like, it's too soon. And if I hear Jingle Bells again, I'm going to stab somebody. Like, I'm, I'm that guy. Uh, so I'm not, like, I'm a, I don't know if I'm a little nicer to maybe. But, um, yeah, anyway, I'm not, like, the typical holiday cheer guy. Uh, You're but, the Grinch. Yeah, I, maybe I'm the Grinch. It, it could very well be the case. Uh, Vinny Q who? But anyway. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> with that terrible joke aside. Uh, the thing for me, I think would be, I, I got a puppy for Christmas, which is like the ultimate, you know, uh, I was in like fifth grade and my brother and my sister, we had actually, I don't even know if PowerPoint existed yet or if we just didn't have it, but we had this like crappy multimedia arts CD and like you could make your own slideshows in it. So we did, we made this like big presentation of Hey, uh, we want a dog, mom and dad. Here's how we're going to take care of the dog and why dogs are great and whatever. And like, we gave this like 10 minute presentation, and our parents are like, okay, yeah, good luck, you know? And, it, and sure enough, Christmas Day, like, the dog shows up 
on the inside this giant box on our doorstep and we're all going nuts and like the <laughs> the, the memory of it was great and and the dog was named Holly uh, we we na- you know Christmas dog Holly trees and all that so uh, we did that and yeah man I mean I I had the dog until just about a year ago so from like fifth grade to to being a full grown twenty seven year old man at that stage like that dog uh, it was just like the joy. And and how sharp that memory was of getting a dog on Christmas, you, like just could never be matched. And I I think for me it's just like the the ultimate uh, Christmas moment, no doubt. So sounds good, man. Yeah. So I don't know. I just like uh, you know I, I'm always curious with Christmas. It's just such an interesting holiday because like obviously you know like my girlfriend's Jewish and so she's celebrating Hanukkah and all that. Uh, but everyone's everyone's just got like a little something they take away from this time of year, and and it is like a it's a whole period, you know. It's not necessarily a single day. For me, it's a single day because I'm selfish and I'm a prick. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like uh, I don't know. I just thought it was worth talking about. So that's your Easter egg, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah, or not.